Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney, are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. And welcome to Habs Unfiltered, episode 312. I'm your host, Blaine Pudve, and I'm joined now by my co-host, Matt Smith. Good afternoon. How's it going? Not too bad. Nice to have a couple days off yourself. Uh, What's a day off? (laughs) I suppose you have kids, so you don't get days off. And you're married. That's the rumor. (laughs) That is the rumor. Um, Yeah, so... Treg can't be with us. He's uh, He's got a family function and he is enjoying life, which is something I, I wish I could be doing right now. But no, instead, I've got to go to some kind of uh, silly surprise party thing later on for some neighbors. I mean, they're nice people and all, but I'd rather be at home relaxing. The Canadians do play tonight, so hopefully we'll be home in time. Yes. Yes. Yes, I I will be watching that game. Or sne- or uh, sneak um, off to a room in their house to watch it with their <laughs> with, with their booze. <laughs> oh well, of course. Yeah. If I can find their booze. <laughs> um. Anyway, so for this episode, we're going to go into a few things. We're going to talk in general terms about last week's games. Um, impressions about the team we'll talk about whether or not teams tank uh, some injury news some rumors and emergency call-ups so pardon me why don't we just start right off the bat and start talking about Gary Bettman's comments about teams don't tank now when he made that comment he was very specific in how he worded things Starting off by saying teams don't tank, but then specifically stating coaches and players don't play to tank. Avoiding the fact that while they're professionals and they don't, teams are obviously tanking. We've seen it. We've seen it. I'm not going to say it's on the players. So the players want to go out there and they want to play for them. They want to play for their team. They want to play for them and they want to play for themselves, especially those that are going to be on expiring contracts. Um, Yeah. So I'm going to say players don't tank, but management's definitely do. Right. They make them. Well, they make the moves, they make the trades, they make the, uh, they may, they make all the decisions. Um, 
I, I I'm not going to come up with a specific a specific one or anything, but we we've seen it and, and we've seen it within the last few years. Um, I I, I you, you like to hope that you know a team has a little bit more integrity or an organization has a little bit more integrity, but when the prize is a generational player yes they're going to make some shady shit happen to make sure that they get that player or at least have better odds i'll throw one team under the bus because i don't care about them and i don't think any other i don't really think anyone in the league does is the arizona coyotes right they're they've Only been a, they, does. right they right yeah there's baby but they've been a joke of a franchise for years and they're among the bottom teams again after just picking up a third overall pick this year. And it's no, not like, I, and, I, and, and, and you know what? Some people are going to target us and be like, well, Montreal got the first overall pick last year. And this year they're going to probably have a top 10 pick. Well, yeah, but they've also went to the cup final in the last few years. They've, they've had, they've had runs where they've picked mid to high in the, in the, in the first round. It's not like they've been consistent in the in the top five, top ten for how many years now, like other teams have. It's more the approach. So with Arizona, I mean, the last couple of years, they've really made a concerted effort to suck so that they can get those high picks, yeah. which is essentially rebuilding. But they've now, done they didn't nothing do it with so, it. That's the not problem. so far. Not right. so far. They've only been doing it for a couple of years with the new management. So. Uh, after about three years of that, if they don't if they don't show any signs of improvement, then it's clearly a massive failure. But for now, they didn't set this up thinking we're going to get Connor Bedard. They started this process a couple of years prior. Now, when you look at other teams, and now the Canadians, we can get into that. We'll get into the reasons why they suck right now <laughs> later on because it has more to do with injuries than it does right. with a concerted effort. That's right. Other teams in the league, you look at teams like Chicago who purposely went out of their way over the summer to set themselves up for failure. Uh, a brand new GM who, by the way, I like the guy. He's a nice guy. He's from my hometown. Um, he's from my alma mater, Laurentian University. Go V's. But uh, <clears throat> he trades away a 21-year-old former third overall pick in Kirby Dock to ensure that his team truly sucks in the hopes that the 13th overall pick that they get turns into something and the team is so bad they end up with Connor Bedard so it would end up being a net positive but if they miss out on that top pick then it's a failure and they're doing it solely for Bedard yeah we talked about this in another show um yeah that's a, that's a team I don't want to see get Connor Bedard I think karma should come back and haunt them for the whole Kyle beach incident and everything and how that was treated. Agreed. And I don't think they should, I, I, I like pick two, three, whatever. I don't care, but you shouldn't be gifted this generational talent just for purposely sucking over the year. I would say I'd rather see Vancouver get it, but after watching even then, even then has been a, yeah, fuck them. but they've been a total right? tire fire. <laughs> Absolutely. The way they treated the, uh, the way they treated the, uh, uh, Boudreaux on his way out, Rachel exactly. Dory, all that. It's yeah. been absolutely horrible. Yeah. So it's a short as long list as those of teams. Get it. It's a short list of teams that I'd like to see get Connor Bernard. Let's just say that. I'm going to say it's one team. 
Well, that's that's <laughs> that would be the that would be one, yeah, for sure. But there there's Priority. others in there. There's others in there that I'd be like, eh, I could live with it. You know what? Honestly, I'd like to see San Jose somehow end up with that. If any other team were to get it, to see the Sharks get it, because it, it's not like they purposely went out of their way to suck hard because Greer has inherited a team in right. disarray. The cap is all messed up and he's got to, he's got to burn that sucker to the ground. So if he somehow, they, they get the good luck and the good fortune of a lottery pick to, to win first overall, then that's an amazing start to it. And added bonus, Bedard is on the West Coast, far, far away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Either you get him or you keep him as far away as possible. Yeah. I'm tired of seeing all these generational talents playing in the East. Right. It's killing me. Right. You're killing me, Smalls. <laughs> killing me. But no, it's it's obvious the teams are it's an it's so obvious teams are tanking and his his bullshit line of well we have a lottery to pick first overall so yeah it's not stopping teams from absolutely sucking yeah you still have you still have a 25% chance if you're the team that sucks the most so and how many times has the dead last team not one it's it's rare yeah and you look at it especially this year a team like you don't even need to tank to be last you can be one of the bottom five teams and you're getting a very very good player you're looking you're looking at a year that if bedard wasn't number one you could arguably say that a player like fantilli could go number one Sure. Or I know we haven't seen a lot of them this year, mostly because of conflict and because of, you know, the world juniors not having Russian players and everything, but Matt Vemichkov as well. Then you've got the emergence of guys like Will Smith and the U S team that no one's really talking about because he wasn't on the world junior team, but these are all players that are say top three talent in a very stacked draft this year. So you're going to have teams that might go out of their way to sell off a few more assets. And I'm hoping one of them is the Florida Panthers to play the Boston Bruins today. And with their goaltending issues and their injuries and everything like that, I'm hoping that they're just a few losses away for them to say, Hey, we're going to start selling off some assets, which will turn into a windfall for the Canadians. Yeah, I mean, if that that pick ends up being a top ten pick, uh, then I would think that uh, Hughes and company would be doing Snoopy dances. I mean, Absolutely. you end up with a top ten pick in this draft, on top of the one you already have. Yeah, you're looking at two excellent players. And on your point about the top five, you can take any one of those top five individually and place them in any one of the last three or four drafts, yeah. and each one of those players individually would end up being the first overall pick. Probably, you'd probably be pretty close, yeah. I mean, you look at last year, don't get me wrong, I like Slavkovsky. I think he's going to turn into a very, very good hockey player. But comparing him to one of the top five in this draft class, I would still say that any one of those top five, the, namely three of the players you named, 
yeah. would be the first overall pick last year. There's a very good chance. There's a very good chance. I'm like, I'm not going to throw Slavkovsky under the bus. I think he's going to be, no, a, no, no. He's going to be a good day. He's going to be a good player for the Canadians. And uh, it's unfortunate that his uh, season got derailed with his injury. But um, you look, but I said, you look at Fentilli, you look at Carlson, you look at uh, even Zach Benson, like Colby Barlow, like you, you like, these are just guys that are going to go in the top 10. And if yeah. Montreal has a chance to get two of those players with one being from a Ben Chirot trade, Massive win. Massive win for Ken Hughes. Um, Speaking of Slavkovsky and all the injuries, we're going to transition to the infirmary in Montreal. <laughs> now, we'll, we'll get into Caulfield and, and we'll talk fa- a little bit more in depth that, about him there. The fact that they have pretty much a full team right now. <laughs> in the in the infirmary, yeah. Yeah. So this is this is who is on the injured reserve. Well, we'll start with the long-term injured reserve. Yeah. Carey Price, Paul Byron, neither one are coming back, probably ever. Sean Monahan is on there. He is due to come off and rejoin the team soon, uh, which is good news. Yep. Uh, in the meantime, as long as, he, as long as he stays healthy. Yes. And on the injured reserve, the shorter term, you know, a week long kind of deal, we have. Brendan Gallagher, who I I'm assuming is going to end up on long-term injured reserve soon. I think so because the minimum was six weeks. Yeah, I'm guessing it's going to get a, end up being longer just because he's been so beat up. Uh, Jonathan Drouin, Joel Armia, Jake Evans, Caden Gooley, and Uri Slavkovsky. Add to that, Cole Caulfield. Yeah. So that's. That is 10 players. 10. Did you say Edmondson as well? Did you say Edmondson? And no, he's not on that list yet. He's day he's day to day. Day to day. But he's if he were to be added to that list, you're looking at eleven yeah. of twenty-three roster players on the shelf. It's insane. Which it's is insane. Which has forced them to do emergency call-ups from the AHL. And they've they've done so many. <laughs> that now they're they're able to do an emergency call up from junior hockey, right? Which is why and, we see Owen Beck. And some people are going to say, you know, why didn't you just call up Anthony Richard? Why didn't you just call up Player X? Um, I'm okay. I'm okay with them calling up Beck. I, I really am, and it's only a short term thing. So to call up a player from junior hockey, you have to meet very specific criteria. Uh, I'll read those off uh, via cap friendly right now, our friends. Um, So here are the requirements that must be met. Um, It can't be any more than five games. Can't miss more than one CHL game. So that's a very difficult one right there because the CHL plays a lot of back-to-backs. They sometimes even play three games in a row. Um, So that's very hard in the schedule. And I looked it up and he will only miss the one game meaning that we are likely going to see Owen back for the next two games prior to the all-star break. Um, third has to be between November 1st and March 1st. And the fourth must have already had two emergency recalls on the roster, which obviously the Canadians have with their infirmary. You know, they check all the boxes, but very happy for Owen back. Some people were kind of going crazy saying because they don't understand how it works 
thinking that this was a call up that, that was going to be there for the rest of the season. That's not going to be the case because um, during the juniors, when, when, when Owen Beck returned from the juniors, returned to Mississauga, he was promptly traded to the Peterborough Peets in a package for two prospects and four draft picks. And that was only three weeks ago. So a lot of people were losing their minds saying, oh, well, Peterborough gave up so much and Mississauga, you know, they're going to, they're getting this and just calm down, everybody. It's going to be for, he's only going to miss one game with the Peets. He's going to play his two games with the Canadians. He's going to get his NHL salary for the games that he's there. He's going to get some valuable experience and you're rewarding a player that has played hard since training camp. There were there were there were people that wanted him on the team on the opening roster. We knew honestly, we knew we, right we knew it was a yeah. we knew it was a, an outside chance obviously, but because of the amount of injuries that even the Canadians brought into the season, we got an extended look at this kid, and we were like, "Holy shit! Like this, this we've got something here." Well, that's what earned him his uh, entry level contract at training Absol- camp. Absolutely, he looked he looked so good that. Like you, I thought he he would have an outside chance at making the team, but he was just so young. He only had the one OHL season. Go back at more more seasoning. But here's a kid that every time he's given an opportunity, he excels. He got a chance at the training camp. He excelled. I mean, he he looked like an actual seasoned NHL two way center. Yeah. Now preseason, but he was doing that against other NHL players yeah. in he, a head-to-head he did, matchup. Because he, because he did play later into, yeah. into the preseason. Yes, he did. Yeah. Then he goes back to Mississauga. He's having a hell of a season. Goes yeah. to the, uh, Canada's uh, selection camp. Gets cut, unfortunately. Then, an, again, an unfortunate incident happens. An injury. Colton Dock goes by the wayside. He gets the emergency call-up to join Team Canada. Shows up. Now, he played an average of eight minutes per game in the three games he played. He only got the one assist, but he was dominant in the defensive zone on faceoffs. And every shift he was on, he provided energy, yeah, physicality. Yeah. He, he, he generated momentum for his team. So he, he excelled there, gets a gold medal, goes to Peter Pro. Uh, he's having a bit of a hard time adjusting to Peter, but it, there's a lot of new players there. It's a new new system. Now he gets this this call up, a two game, likely only two games. Yep. I'm really really interested to see how Owen looks against a team like Ottawa, yep. for instance. And he's going to be and he's going to likely be, be playing on the third line. That's the way it's looking right now. They haven't really come out and said yeah. anything, but I doubt they break up that fourth line, which has really been the energy for the Canadians over the last few games with uh, Pizzetta, Belzil, and Harvey Pennard. So I, I doubt we're going to see back jump into that. Like I can see maybe a line of Dvorak himself with maybe a Dadnov, maybe something like that. If Dvorak is even playing because he, yeah, yeah. he looked like he was hurt in that last game as well. Yeah. So maybe he's the one that's going to sit while Beck plays in his stead. At center. Yes. Yeah, on the third line. That could happen. That could happen. Because Suzuki's going to play. Doc's going to play. Right. Uh, so there's your top six. Right. Beck's not a, Beck's not a winger. No. 
it's it's they could play him on the wing. I, they could. I'm gonna I, I'm gonna be looking. I'm really looking forward to this tonight. Um, I believe he's gonna, gonna be, be. I think he's gonna be wearing number sixty two for all of our for mm-hmm. all of our listeners out there that are gonna be watching him tonight. So this is this is a good moment for him. This is a good moment yeah. for him. It is well deserved. And an added bonus for our our listeners, a little trivia. The uh, he's an eighteen year old player. Slavkovsky was is eighteen. That would be two eighteen year olds playing on this team in this season, and that'd be the first time the Canadians had two eighteen year olds play for a team within one season since eighty four eighty five. Wow. Svoboda and Riche. Wow. So you look back at eighty four eighty five, yeah, and all the big pile of young players that they had coming up. You look at this year, again, a ton of young players recently drafted, young guys playing. I mean, most of the defense is rookies. What happened after that 84-85 season? Started to. (laughs) They started to move up. They brought in another veteran (laughs) or two. And I think, pretty sure, because I was there, they won a Stanley Cup in 86. Not saying they're going to win a cup next year. Although, no. if they did, that would be so. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? It's so just it's, it's just too bad though that that Beck's going to be playing and Slepkovsky's not. That would be that would be that would be nice. Unfortunate. It's unfortunate. But the, at the end of the day, though, seeing two eighteen-year-olds play and all these rookies playing, all these players under 22, 23 years old, I think we're at 12, 13, right. 14. Right. It just goes to show that this rebuild that the Canadians are, are into now won't be as long as some people think. I mean, no. yes, they need a little bit more elite talent, which if they get two top 10 picks this, this draft, I think that'll, there's the check in the box for elite right. talent. Right. And um, there's a very good chance that we could see more young talent join the team later on in the season. Um, mainly a guy like um, Sean Farrell. There is rumors that he is going to finish a season, sign with the Canadians and finish the year with them. He's got 30 points so far in 20 games with uh, with Harvard. He's uh, seven, having a good year. Another player that may possibly sign his professional contract out of the NCAA is someone who was just on the show, Jakob Dobish. In talking to people around Ohio uh, prior to that interview, there's some people, including his goaltending coach, who feel that he is pretty much ready now I don't, Dobesh didn't let anything drop. He didn't let any anything slip. Go back and watch episode 311. Uh, it's on Cryer Media. It's on our YouTube channels. Uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts, you'll hear a, a smart young man who, who, granted, he was at the end of a long day and he seemed a little tired, but he was very intelligent with his answers and he didn't let anything slip. But everyone else seems to think he could be ready. Well, you look at the goaltending, Mark. You, know, you look at the goaltending, um, depth chart in the Canadians right now and it's honestly it's wide open and it's only going to take a performance from one of these players to catch the eye of Ken Hughes to maybe be thrust into the spotlight because for many years we said hey it's going to be Caden Primo Caden Primo is the heir to the throne in Montreal after Carey Price Um, that might not be the case now 
and and and, and they've no. got they right they've got some goaltending prospects that are coming up and you've named you named one they've also got Ditchow as well overseas um wouldn't be whose surprised. mom is a fan of ours hi <laughs> wouldn't be surprised though if they went out this year during the draft and picked a, a goalie relatively high whether it be a late first round pick or an early second round pick uh there's a few that are going to be available but it's really it's it's a wide open crease it really is and i'd like to see it come from within i don't know if it's going to happen because goaltenders take time but right now if i'm a canadian's prospect and i'm a goaltender i'm doing i'm doing my damnedest to to shine and to perform and to to make the team look at me because you might be like i said you might be thrust into professional hockey faster than what you think which couldn't which can be a good thing or could be a bad thing yeah it's true it's true i mean with primo under contract for two more years after this uh there's no real pressing issue uh i know i know hughes mentioned that montembo is not going to be traded which kind of made people speculate that allen's on the block but i think those two are going to just hold the fort for the next two three four years while these other goaltenders improve and develop. And uh, well, I think Dykow, what, signed, Montembeau's what signed for next year, one more year at 1 million. And they'll probably okay. extend him beyond that. But uh, you got Dykow, uh like you mentioned, uh, Dobesh. Um, and, and I do agree with all the goaltenders that are going to be available in this draft that the Canadians, especially if they end up with a third first round pick, will probably use either that late first rounder or the early second to pick a goalie. Right. Because that's that's where the Canadian system is thinnest. Yeah. I know right D hurts, but goaltending is where they're the thinnest. Yeah. And we've talked about this um in an, in, an, in another show when we talked about um Devin Levi, we talked about Dustin Wolf, etc. Um those would be, you know, outside like getting something from outside the organization would be more my style as opposed to using a draft pick on one unless it's a I'm gonna say it's a it's a it's a sure thing but I would try to take advantage of a uh, of an organization that might have a log jam at that position like Calgary and try to pry a player out of there yeah no I agree I agree I think there's going to be the opportunity to make a trade if they don't if they trade for a goaltender then I don't think the pressing need early in the draft will be goaltending. Right. Uh, they might trade up to, to get a guy near the end of the second, something like along those lines, but they're going to add another goalie right. by the draft. Yeah. Sometimes between now and the draft. Yeah. Um, so with us speculating, uh, yeah. Montreal starter next year will be Thatcher Demko. What? No, I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny? Yeah. <laughs> Then he turns into a lights out goal, uh, Demko exactly. again. Yeah. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I mean, it would be interesting to see that. Um, in the meantime, the Canadians are going to be playing as we record. It's Saturday, the 28th. The Canadians are playing Ottawa in Ottawa tonight. But prior to that game this week, with all the players that are that we mentioned at the, at the top of the show out injured, the Canadians played Toronto, Boston, and Detroit, all three original six rivals. And they've come out at a 500, one, one, and one, but they've looked very, very good doing it. And they've done it 
with half of a roster from Laval. Yeah. And those are the guys, as I mentioned earlier, those are the guys that are really uh, throwing the coal in the fire. Like they're the ones that are pressing the pressing the action, and they're the ones that are out there after a goal. They're the ones that are out there in key situations because they've been the one pressing the plays, and they've been the one putting the puck in the net. Also, More to the point, though, um, which is really pissing off Team Tank, <laughs> these guys are coming. The whole team has provided uh, an ir- irreproachable work ethic through uh, for a 60-minute period in each one of those games. Yep. They've played a fast-paced, physical game that they can play, a, play against the top teams in the league. Uh, Detroit's not a playoff team, but they've got a lot of good young guys. They're, they're a fast team as well. And it took overtime for them to beat the Canadians. And all in all, it, it, they're still, they're still going to end up with that lower end, you know, top five, top six pick. But these three games go to prove that St. Louis is doing the job that he was hired to do in that he is getting these players to play a more offensive style, but also to build that winning culture, you know, a culture of accountability and a culture where they don't quit. They they don't give up. I mean, you don't want the team to end up like Buffalo did for 10 years. Right. So if you're going to take anything away from the, this last week's game, these last week's games were, uh, that would be it. That and uh, we miss Cole Caulfield. We do. <laughs> and his giant hat. <laughs> you know what? It was actually just a normal sized hat. It just looks giant on him. Yeah, I'd say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the hat that Treg's Eagle wears. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always thought it was bigger. Uh... <laughs> That's That's the tight fitting one. Right. Just like the baby gap hat, just like all his t-shirts. Yeah. <laughs> we love you, Drake. We do. Um, so on Caulfield and his injury. Yeah. Um, so this happened before Christmas in Dallas, uh, awkward fall. And then it happened again against Nashville. And he, he said that if they were in a playoff spot, he'd still be playing. And he'd still want to keep playing, but given the position that they're in, um, I think it's best that management made the decision that they made because it's really about his long-term health. Um, he's supposed to have the shoulder surgery um, with the same doctor that did uh, Josh Anderson's. And it seems to, for Josh Anderson, it's worked out well, but it it's taken a long time to get yes. him back on, yes. on track, Yes, which is probably why during the press conference, Caulfield was very, very specific in that he has to take it seriously and he has to focus on the rehab, uh, which is something that after Anderson's recovery, he said that that's, that's an area that he wanted to, he, he wished he would have focused on more. So it sounds like he learned, he learned a lesson and he's passed it on to the young guy who is going to take that in and really focus in, especially when, that young guy is looking at a long-term contract like Anderson was, but it's not going to be a five and a half over six or seven. We're looking at probably eight by eight. Right. Right. So if he comes back playing the way he was this season, 
right away, massive win. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Uh, for Team Tank, however, I'm sure they're happy because the Canadians' best goal-scoring uh, threat is not there. Yeah, but again, I feel bad. I I, I do. Um, yes. This was, this was a guy that legitimately had a shot at 40 goals. For the first, the first time that a Montreal Canadian would have done it since Brian Bellows. Right, so it felt, felt bad for him. And I and, and I can even as a collective, like even with him in the in the lineup, they were you know in all the injuries that they have and the the list just rising day by day, they were still losing games. However, you had this young player, you have these young this young trio, let's just call it, that have been quite consistent over the years or over the years over the year. And this was kind of like the 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 shining star. Like this is a guy that was um, every time he scored, Team Tank was celebrating because they like him, <laughs> and everyone else was happy every time he scored. And we saw a little bit of a glimpse of maybe what the power play could look like years to come if they can be not so one dimensional. True, However, very true. It does work for Washington. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, if, what was it? The, uh, the re- someone put a, a video on Twitter. Uh, they shared a replay of one of the Washington power plays from this week, where Ovechkin literally stood still for a minute and a half on that one dot yeah. until so, he got a pass and he just wailed it. Yeah, somebody uh, somebody made a, a video of that with a PlayStation controller. <laughs> and it was like the battery like fucking up on the controller and he's like trying to like jar it and everything and then all of a sudden he gets it and it just shoots the puck and he's like <laughs> I was like well done makes well sense done. thank you internet oh, yeah. that's a win <laughs> that's what the internet should be for yes. sharing crap like that absolutely um so moving on from that from injuries and uh we're going to switch over to rumors. So this is pretty much the end of the show here. This is the last topic. <clears throat> There's still rumors of Joel Edmondson being of interest to Edmonton, but with him being day-to-day, possibly season-to-season, who knows? Um, I'd put that on the back burner for now. Yes. I know Toronto has kicked tires on defensemen as well, including Anderson, er, including Edmondson. Uh, Joel, Ed, uh, Josh Anderson is of interest to Calgary, Toronto, a couple other teams that I'm not 100% sure on. But the big one that we're going to talk about is Monahan. Yeah. And we brought him up a few times over the last few weeks. And um, I brought up the Colorado Avalanche, and it seems that there might be a little bit of smoke there as well. Um, well or either that or LeBron listens to the show and he loves your work. I'm going to say it's most likely that. <laughs> I think so. Uh, I think but, so. But he did bring up the fact that uh, Sean Monahan could be a very attractive um, addition to the Colorado Avalanche. Um, he talks specifically about Gabriel Landeskog and some people's thinking that that's going to be a Kucherov thing where he shows up for the playoffs and all of a sudden he's on the roster. Um, they do expect him to be back weeks before 
So he's going to count. He's going to count against the cap. So they don't have, say, the flexibility or I'm going to say the assets to go out and to get somebody like a Ryan O'Reilly or a Bo Horvat or a player of that stature. Because we got to remember, they've been a team that has been competitive for the last few years. And because of that, they've really kind of unloaded the cover when it comes to prospects. And even this season, if I bro- if I look at their draft, they have their first round pick and then they don't have their second, third or fourth. And then next year they don't have their second or third. So they're giving up futures to Excel in which they obviously did win in the Stanley cup. But you look at the, you look at the guys that they would possibly have to, give up i'm looking at either their first round pick which they might not want to do because then they won't have a pick till the fifth round or i'm looking at maybe a guy like oscar olison who was a first round pick from a few years ago i don't think uh sakic would care about moving his first this year uh the, the window for them to win is now right and if if he identifies the need for a second line center as being what they have to have to to really compete, then yeah, you throw your first at it. It's not like the first round pick that they are giving up is going to be a you know like what Florida did. Right. There's some there's some knowledge there that this is going to be 25 to 32 pick. Yes. So it's yeah. not that bad. Right. Uh, and this is when at the very hope, least, this is when you hope the trade gets made, and then it's like, oh my god, everybody's injured. <laughs> Yes, yeah. but for from Sackick's point of view, <clears throat> yeah, this guy's a rental. Yeah, but he could find a way to try and keep him on the roster, right, for a couple more years. Yeah, so it it would make sense from there. And there's another team that I think that we should not ignore when it comes to Monahan, and that's the Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah, they desperately need a second line center. They tried it with uh, Jesper Kakaniemi, and he just sucks. So. Yeah. Stats I'm not saying so much. Yeah, I mean he, he's not having a good year. He sucks no. this year. He can't put up points. Like no. defensively, he's fine, but they need a guy who can reliably play second line center role and produce. And right now, Monahan is good, a good fit for that, considering the fact that uh, O'Reilly's hurt and may not be back prior to the deadline. Um. Bo Horvat's going to be super expensive, especially if you want to keep him. Yeah, and that's not something that Carolina likes to do. They don't like spend money. So, and they and they and they are going to have cap space with the Patrick injury, re-injury. Yes, right. And I yeah. feel honestly, I feel bad for the guy. I really do. I liked Max Pacioretty who's in Montreal, uh, and now it's looking like from this second injury, eight to nine month recovery, if he recovers at all. If he recovers at all. Yeah. Because the Achilles uh, busting his Achilles like that again. Yeah. So soon after having it repaired yeah. is not a good sign. Right. Especially right. for the sport like hockey, which you desperately need that so you can skate. Yeah. I mean, yeah. so um, hey. I think we'll leave it there. I just want to give you a chance to provide your final thoughts. Uh, the only thing I have to say is um, trade deadlines coming up. Let's hope that the guys that uh, we would like to see get moved for assets stay healthy, knock on wood. And um, 
I, I don't know if I get, if I can say I'm looking forward to the uh, all-star game, but it'll be good. It'll be a good break for the team just so they can maybe get back to health. Yeah. Yeah. Give the doctors a little bit more time to work on these guys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's all I've got. Uh, all right. So uh, for me, I'd just like to thank everyone for tuning in, for listening. Uh, please be sure to check out Cryer Media, our new partners. Uh, in this uh, podcasting game, Cryer Media has provided us uh, some great opportunities and we're going to get a little bit more. Uh, there's going to be some layers added here with some production help and um, some more uh, opportunity to share. So keep an eye out on Cryer Media. Watch the hockey writers who have been with us for a couple of years. Um, and yeah, well, what do you got? What do you got? Just because... Use Tankathon just before we let everybody go. One attempt, Florida's pick turned into number one with San Jose picking two and Columbus picking three. Dear God, that would be hilarious. <laughs> yeah. With Montreal's pick and... falling down to eighth. <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah, I'll take it too. Uh, all right. So for me, I'd just like to say thank you for everyone for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Keep interacting. Keep sending us those emails, <clears throat> posting on social media, uh, tagging us. We love it. We love interacting with you guys. And uh, <clears throat> remember, if you're talking about it, so are we. Do, did, will. The Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast. Heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.